0: Welcome to the Dog Element Podcast, your home for the how-to and the how-come of everything dog. Here, you will gain a deeper understanding of dog behavior and the emotions behind it. You may even learn a little something about yourself along the way. And now, your host of the Dog Element Podcast, Lenny Flack. Hey guys, welcome to the second episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for joining in. Very excited to have you here. Let's get right into it. We are going to start right where we left off at the last episode, which was with the question of what is the optimal state, uh, you know, the optimal uh, psychological and emotional place for you to be in order to most effectively interact with your dog. And we also talked about last time the importance of knowing who you are at any given moment so that you can bring yourself back to the optimal state or as close as you can to it to, again, improve the rapport between you and your dog. It's also important to remember that your emotional state has a tremendous, significant effect on the emotions of those around you. This includes people and dogs, right? According to... um, Daniel Goleman, which was the author of that uh, book Emotional Intelligence which I had mentioned to you before. And actually there's an article which was in the Harvard Business Review by Daniel Goleman, Richard E. Boyatzis, I'm not sure if I'm pronunci- pronouncing that correctly, and Annie McKee. This was an article from December of 2001 in again the Harvard Business Review, and they talked about this idea that um, Our emotional center in our brain, the limbic system, is of an open loop structure. So what that means is that we are dependent on other people's emotions to regulate ourselves. Right? Yes, we have the ability to regulate ourselves, but we are are also greatly affected by those around us. In that article, uh, there's a quote that says, scientists describe the open loop as interpersonal limbic regulation. One person transmits signals that can alter hormone levels, cardiovascular functions, sleep rhythms, even immune functions inside the body of another, end quote. So. That's pretty wild, right? How you are feeling can not only affect the emotions of those around you, but actually their physiology, right? Their hormones, their uh, blood pressure, and even how their body defends itself against, you know, viruses and, and bacteria. So this is something to always keep in the back of your mind, right? We are an open loop system. We are affected by others, and others are affected by us. So to get back to the question of who is it that you need to be, or rather, you know, what is the optimal, ideal state to be in when interacting with your dog, you know, I wanted to try and boil it down to as succinct a list as I could, because even though we play a wide variety of roles in our dog's lives, you know, from caretaker to Teacher, to playmate, to life coach, what have you, right? We play a lot of different, we wear a lot of different hats when it comes to our dogs. But throughout all of these, you know, uh, performances, I think it is important that we have the four following qualities. First, we need to be composed. Second, we need to be attentive. Third, we need to be patient and trusting. And fourth, we need to be loving and caring. So just to break those down and kind of quickly go over each one there, this idea of being composed, right? At first, I was going to say that we need to be calm, but that's not always the case, right? There's times for excitement and there's time for for play and, and, and getting a little bit worked up. Uh, So it's not always about being calm, but it's always about being composed so that even in times of whether, you know, you're just sitting at home or you're doing playtime at the dog park or in, you know, in your backyard or, you know, God forbid, in the case of, you know, some sort of injury or emergency, you should always be composed. That is who we would all want to be around in any situation, right? Somebody who is con- in control of their emotions. Even during excitement during playtime, we can get excited to a degree, but if the dog oversteps their boundaries, we have to, you know, bring them back down and keep them in check to make sure they don't go outside of those, you know, emotional lines. So that that's what I mean by being composed, not just being calm, but being composed and, and in check of your emotions at any given moment. You can have moments of excitement and moments of fun, but to ultimately be in control of yourself. Second, I mentioned we need to be attentive. So what I mean by this is that we need to be able to read our dog's cues and communication, right, and their their language. And this is something that takes time to develop. If you haven't been around dogs much, uh, you're not going to be able to pick up on the little nuances of their head tilt and their ears perking up or the hair standing on the back of their uh, neck and and spine, right? All these different little signals that let us know how a dog is feeling, what emotional state they're in, so that we can help them get through that. We not only need to be able to read their cues, but also to be respectful of them, right? So if a dog, say for example, if you're brushing your dog's hair, and as you approach with the brush, the dog gives you a little side eye or maybe a little grumble and it's telling you, I'm not too comfortable with the situation, right? We need to be able to, A, pick up on that, pay attention to these things and notice what the dog is saying and, and respect it and stop for a second. Let them maybe sniff the brush. You know, I'm not telling you to stop completely the activity, but help them get through it. Show them that there is no harm in the brush. There's no threat there. Let them sniff it. Maybe touch gently, Instead of just brushing, you know, fervently, just brush with the back of the brush on the smooth surface and let them get used to that touch, and then eventually go to the other side and and show them how to how to accept this strange and unusual tool. So that's that's being attentive. Uh, number three, we need to be patient and trusting. All right, this is uh, really important because a lot of times. We are not patient enough. We stop short of where we need to be in order to get to the final goal, right? So this could be in something as simple as, you know, teaching new cues, new uh, messages, new communications, or it could be when a dog is misbehaving or being stubborn and, and we might not be as patient as we need to be. Right and and uh, the second part of that, which I said, you know, patient and trusting. The reason I grouped them together is because what I want you, what will help you be patient, is is trusting that eventually your dog can and will understand your communication and your messages, and they will um, listen to you. It might take a little bit of time, but as long as you are have have some patient perseverance or Know, serene stubbornness uh, eventually they will give in right your calmness and patience will win out uh, Lastly the last you know quality which I which I want to talk about is uh, which I'd mentioned before is that we need to be loving and caring uh, and that one is obviously kind of self-explanatory but I wanted to mention it because it is important and I didn't want to leave it out. Uh, but I don't think that's all we need to be, right? So loving and caring, obviously, we need to be selfless and desire the best for our dogs, right? To help them grow and be the best dog that they can be. It's not just about, you know, giving them, you know, good food and, and buying them clothes and, 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 uh, fancy accessories and stuff like that no this is true love right doing what's best for them that's what i mean by loving and caring and and you know with all those four qualities being composed attentive patient and loving we need to have all four of them you can't just be one or two or three all four must be present right cuz you can be loving and caring but not necessarily attentive, right? Not missing out on all the cues. You love your dog and you want the best for them, but you're not really either aware of the the language and and the cues that they're sending to you or you're um, just not respecting the cues and you're kind of pushing through them, right? So we got to make sure that we're being all of those things that I had mentioned before. Now, it's easy for me to sit here and tell you that this is who you need to be, and this is how you need to behave. But it's not always easy. Uh, we're humans, we have bad days, and we can't always be composed, attentive, patient, and loving. Right? Sometimes we're going to have uh, short tempers and, and be irritable, and that's okay. Uh, what's important is what we talked about in the first episode, right? And, and self-awareness. First of all, recognizing what state you're in. And if you're not in a you know even-keeled state, if you're not balanced, then don't bother trying to, uh, you know, teach your dog or or correct them. You can be around them, but don't pass on that, that negative energy onto them, because nothing good will come of it. I can guarantee you that. What we want to do is, first off, we can mentally prepare ourselves to be in this calmer state in the future, right? And that involves... Uh, Of course, self-management, which is that second uh, tenet of uh, emotional intelligence, right? We talked about self-awareness and then came self-management, right? So how can we manage our emotions and our psychological state to the best of our abilities so that we can, you know, be the person and the leader we need to be for our dog? So I have come up with two categories of, of, you know, things we can do. One of them is kind of preparatory and preventative, uh, and the second one is more about practice, things we can do in the moment of when we are actually already interacting with our dogs and we start to get a little bit of frustration or just, uh, you know, impatience, and anything of that nature. So in terms of preparation and being a little bit more proactive of getting yourself in the state, I want you to... You know, manage your expectations. Understand that whatever issue you're dealing with, you are going to be dealing with it for a while. And it's going to be a process. And if you do it slowly and patiently, eventually, you know, the effects will compound and, and we'll get to the to the ultimate goal. But don't think that, you know, even if you get a professional trainer, that they're going to come over there and, and fix your uh, fix your dog's behavior problem in one day or the one hour that they're there. Right? It's something that takes time and, and consistency and, and, again, that patient persistence that we need to have. Right? So that'll, that'll help you stay calm in the future is to manage expectations and knowing that it's going to take time and it's not going to happen overnight. Something else that I like to you know, um, preach is to not take it personally. If your dog is misbehaving or if not, they're not responding as quickly as you had hoped for, don't take it personally. Your dog is not spiting you. Okay, I'm sure of that. Um, they do not act out of spite. Sometimes we mistake some behaviors for that, but I do not believe they do so. Right? Uh, and then you know, a couple of things happen when you take it personally. A dog's behavior is that you start to get defensive. Right? If, if you do believe that they're doing it out of... Let me try that again. If you do believe that they are behaving a certain way out of spite then you're going to get defensive. You might get frustrated or annoyed, irritated, what have you, and then start to get upset and raise your voice or whatever your reaction is going to be. It's not going to be very productive and, and conducive to, to teaching and, and growing that relationship or fixing whatever behavior you're concerned about. The other thing that happens when you take it personally besides getting defensive or because you're getting defensive and you're so focused on almost kind of like a vindication that you miss out on the actual cause, the, the motivation behind the, the behavior. And because you miss out on that, you miss out on a chance to really address it the proper way and fix it the way it needs to be fixed so that in the future it doesn't happen, right? So do not take it personally. Another thing you can do to prepare yourself is to remind yourself that we are, you know, dealing with a dog and not a human, right? We have a tough time as it is communicating with our own species, let alone trying to communicate with another one, okay? So give yourself a little break. Understand that things are going to take some time, for you to be comfortable with your dog and your dog to be comfortable with you and to learn each other's cues and language and, and uh, postures and all these things, right? And even though this may not seem directly related, just having overall, you know, psychological and even physical well-being will help you deal with everyone around you better, right? If you're balanced and in a good mood, You can't help but behave positively towards others. So whatever it is that makes you happy, whatever kind of exercises you like to do, do that. Take some time for yourself and make sure you are mentally and physically healthy. So that's that's the preparation part. For the practice in situations where you might already be interacting with your dogs and perhaps they're not listening like you want or they're just behaving in a way that is not uh, what you would like. There's a few things you can do to help yourself get through that moment, right? Uh, One of those is visualization. And you can visualize yourself in a happy place, right? Maybe the last vacation you went to or being at a friend's house or being at a spa, whatever it may be that puts you in a calm and serene soothing place. So then you can pass that energy along to your dog, right? And it really does work, right? If you practice it enough, you can eventually get to this place quicker and quicker. So that's option number one is visualization. Put yourself in a happy place. Um, Number two option that you can do is to emulate another person, now, this could be someone real. It can be someone fictional. It could be, you know, a parent, a friend, a neighbor, a colleague, or it could be a fictional character. Uh, you know, like James Bond. It could be um, Wonder Woman. Whoever it is that you feel kind of has this calm, you know, assertive energy, so that you can try and mimic and and copy their their state, right? Almost uh, do a little bit of fake it till you make it. And this can be a pretty powerful tool as well, especially for those who are more inclined to acting. But, you know, everybody has their own way. So this is just one other option. Um, And the last one that I wanted to mention here, well, second to last rather, uh, is breathing. And this is something that helps me a lot, is just taking a nice, deep, deliberate breath right? And by deliberate, I mean deliberately trying to calm yourself down. Don't just breathe for the sake of breathing, because I said it's a good idea. But as you're breathing and you're taking in that deep inhale and that nice long exhale, really feel yourself kind of melting away any tension that you feel in your body, right? This is, again, this is something that really helps me a lot because a lot of times when we get tense, we almost forget to breathe. And when we take that deep breath, it helps us reset and recenter and, and try again. And again, this is something that, you know, obviously the more you practice, the better and more comfortable you'll get with it. The last one I wanted to mention, it kind of falls under both categories of, you know, preparation as well as practice, and this this is the idea of mindfulness, right? Uh, mindfulness is this concept of just being present and in the moment, right? Being aware of everything that's happening right now, and not thinking about what could happen or what has happened in the future, in the past rather, but really being present in the moment, right? Um, and to do that, you can focus on something like, which I mentioned before, focus on your breath. You can focus on your um, you know, your heartbeat. You can focus on your, uh, you know, if there's that tension building up inside of you, you can focus on that. Just focus on any one thing and nothing else, right? Really zone in on it to bring yourself to the range that you want to be at, right? And again... This is something that takes practice and something you can do before, you know, any situations arise and also during, you know, a a tough circumstance where you need to keep your emotions in check, right? So to do a quick recap of the different ways that we can practice self-management, all right, number one, we have managing our expectations, knowing that things are going to be a process and nothing's going to happen overnight. Number two is not taking uh, you know, undesirable behavior personally. Remember, your dog is not spiting you. They're just behaving in the only ways that they know how. And also a good point to remember is that a dog is a different species. We need to learn how to communicate with them, not only on our end, but also, perhaps even more importantly, how to read their communications and messages. And then the last thing, uh, in terms of you know the preparatory measures you can take, is taking some time for yourself, making sure that you are psychologically, physically, and emotionally balanced. You know, exercise, read, do things to develop yourself on a daily basis, and this will make you a happier and, and uh, more at peace human being, and then you'll be able to pass that energy along. A few things we can do when you're in the moment, if you need to address an emotional state of your own immediately, uh, you can use some visualization techniques, right? See yourself in, a, in your happy place, wherever that may be. We can also use our emulation technique where we can think of a person, again, real or fictional, that we can kind of channel their energy and and become them for a little bit until we can internalize that way of being and do it naturally, right? Let it become second nature to us. And uh, we can also practice our breathing, right? Long, deep, deliberate breaths to help us calm down and slow things down and really focus in on what it is that we're doing. Which brings me to the last option, which was mindfulness, right? And really focusing in on the present moment, whether it be your breath or, you know, that tension building up in your body, whatever you choose, but really focusing in on that and, and calming yourself down and getting in the zone that way. Because ultimately our dogs need us to be leaders that they can trust and respect, and will be willing and even happy to follow, right? So if you think of what kind of leader would you want to follow, I think these same qualities would apply, right? We want someone who is composed and in control of their own emotions and doesn't lose it at any given moment. We definitely appreciate someone who is patient and takes their time and trusts that we will eventually if you know, taught correctly, will learn whatever it is that needs to be learned. Someone who is attentive and reads our cues and understands our wants and needs and emotions. And then we also obviously want a leader who truly cares about us, right, and has that genuine um, benevolence. So because we would like that in a leader, I believe that our dogs would appreciate the same thing. So that's it for this episode. Thank you again so much for joining in. Uh, you can check us out on Instagram at the dog element, the dog And feel free to please leave any comments, questions, feedback. It is always welcome. And I am super grateful for it. Thank you guys. And we'll see you on the next episode.